to the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your hosts, Sydney Carlson and Cole Wissinger. Good afternoon, Cougar fans, and it has been a good afternoon. It's been a good whole dang week to be a Cougar fan because, Sydney, we've got just the one game to talk about this week. It's weird. It's, you know, got a, we had a bye on Thursday. That was nice to recover from the game that we had last Saturday. And you needed recovery time from that game. I still am not sure I'm totally over it. I, um, send a message to a friend after the game friend of the pod actually um and was just like where's the nearest marathon like point me i'm ready to go like i was so hyped up after that game the energy within the marriott center could light provo for the next thousand years (laughs) if we could just harness sheer potential excitement 100 percent, and i'm sure we'll get all into it but i i mean i have been a byu fan my whole life i've worked near or actually in the athletic department for at least six years, I have never seen anything like that. And I can honestly say that. I mean, we were at Tennessee for the overtime win this year, and that was pretty amazing. But to see just like the sheer energy and as everybody was rushing the court and then Coach Pope gave the mic to the seniors afterwards and there was just like a palpable energy of just excitement and and like emotion like those seniors were emotional and they were so excited to be there and to be playing with each other and it's just it's a different feeling and something that hasn't been a part of really this campus in a long time and it was really an amazing thing to be a part of and as the game started to wind down it was so fun because BYU had a comfortable lead. It wasn't... <laughs> people had time to kind of get ready for everything. Um, we are referring, of course, to BYU's victory over Gonzaga by double digits. Here's how Greg Rubel called the final play. Dwayne Kispert will pull and fire and miss the three. The rebound to Gilder with two and one. Floats and misses, and it is indeed over! And here come the fans! They're storming the floor at the Marriott Center! Senior night is a night to remember for the BYU Cougars. Your final score, 91-78. to The Cougs have won it. And Greg had to scream for the next hour of postgame <laughs> over top of the noise and the bustle and the rustle of just students and fans and players and coaches and just yeah. everyone all around on the court enjoying this win together. It was packed. Like, just you could not move or breathe down there. And I mean... I was kind of watching from above, but I went down when it cleared down a little bit. And even still, you know, 20 minutes after, it was still just buzzing. Um, but I I loved Greg got on Twitter and said something about like, you know, I've been doing this a long time and he's always down courtside. But being able to kind of be a part of that energy, like even he recognized like just a different feeling. Well, they kind of rushed him because yeah. he was in between <laughs> the fans and the coaches. And so just listening to it on the radio, everyone was just surrounded and mobbing. And Mark Durant, who's also on the call with them, uh, was just taking breaks and high-fiving all the players because everyone just kind of gathered right there. And and once, for anyone that hasn't been part of a court storming in college basketball, there's only so much room, right? When you mm-hmm. storm the field in a football game, you fill it up-ish, but you can, like, there's room around the edges. A basketball court is smaller, and the Marriott Center filled it. Yep, 100%. Um, 
And it's been a wild year for that. We had two football games where fans rushed the field yep. this year and a game where we rushed the court. And I don't know if I've ever seen a court rush at BYU. Maybe it's happened, but I don't remember one. Well, and the, the coolest victories over Gonzaga have happened in Spokane They've all, exactly, exactly. And so it, you, you just don't do that, right? That's respectful. <laughs> but Well, and what are you going to do when you're the away seven team? Seven and a like, half fans yeah. that got there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not really a rush so much as like an Inquisition <laughs> invasion. This, this was the Marriott Center, though, and the whole game things it was like this it was loud Mm -hmm. it was crazy i I will uh bring your words back around last week when we talked about what we wanted out of this game you said i I just want it to be close when we get to turbulence (laughs) for that under four sydney it was close for the under eight but by the time we got under four minutes in this game byu had the victory and when turbulence started up the marriott center could not have been louder oh 100 percent, and i I'm going to be honest, I didn't see it coming this way. Like I I anticip- like I wanted a close game, but I really felt like the way that Gonzaga has been playing that they were going to come in and and handle it. Do what Gonzaga does. 100%. And we we struggle. Like we struggle at home against Gonzaga more than we struggle on the road against Gonzaga and we didn't like we we competed more than others have against Gonzaga on their home floor, floor this year. But not enough that I was like, yeah, we got this. Right. Because no one was competing with Gonzaga this year. No. Um, I will say, though, from the get-go, that game felt different. And not even not even after tip-off. Like, there was a senior presentation before we even started playing any sort of basketball. And there was just a different vibe in that building than there has been all year. And... I wasn't letting myself get too optimistic. I was like, yeah, it feels it feels pretty cool in here, but like don't get crazy, Sydney. Like don't get your hopes up too high. Right. Um but then we we were hanging in there. We were keeping up with Gonzaga and it was weird because like from my side of things where I'm looking at promotions, like the kid made the half court shot for Qualtrics and I was like, mm, that's, <laughs> what is that a sign? No, stop. You're being ridiculous. Oh, I love that. And like everything just was going so smoothly and working so well that it just felt like all of the stars had aligned and we were going to have this amazing moment and it was really, really great. So let's look at the game itself. Let's look at some of the, the highlights, the players, and how it came to be. TJ looking at pick and roll, not there. Goes high to Lee. Ten-second shot clock. Lee lets traffic clear. The handoff Harding right side. 25 feet to go. Five-second shot clock. Child step back three. Got it! Holy <laughs> Childs with 15, and the Cougars lead by six for the first time tonight, 38-32. Yoli ended the game with 28 points. He's the WCC's player of the week this week. Uh, 12 from 13 uh, rebounds for Yoli. He had 10. That's a double-double, of course, which he's done so many times this year. And to add on it, a three. (laughs) And he ended that game. His last shot in the Marriott Center was just a thing of absolute beauty. It was just like a an exclamation point on the season and his career, just dunking it and just... Ferocious dunk. Just a look of pure joy on his face that I... It just filled me with such great energy. Some of the other stars from the BYU side of things, uh, Yo led scorers with 28, followed by Toulson with 17 and TJ Haas with 16 because they got hot eventually behind three. So watching the whole game, it started off BYU was struggling 
beyond mm-hmm. the arc. And you kind of got to feel, well, a run will be coming eventually. But then once they did heat up, right around halfway through the first half, yep. taking into the first half with a lead and then not trailing for the entire second half. Right. And I remember thinking back to what we were talking about last week in that the beginning of that game, just thinking like, this is going to be one of those we die by the three moments. And then there were some of the most insane three-point shots I have seen from this team, just like a solid like six feet behind the arc, where I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, oh, it went in. Okay, we're cool. We're cool. We're cool. And it kept happening all night. And it was just, it was one of those things where it's like everything was going right. And it felt like maybe the opposite was happening for Gonzaga. And Mark Few uh, made a point to say that, just saying that like the team just... Gonzaga's team was not cohesive and they were not playing together, whereas I don't know if our team has ever played more together than they did on Saturday night. When Kobe Lee hits a three, (laughs) you know that that things are going your way for the evening. 100%. It's one thing for a Yoli-type big man to make shots behind the arc, but when Colby's doing it, it's like, all right, well... (laughs) If we can't win when Colby's shooting threes, when can we? Exactly. The other thing that really went for BYU is the thing that's not going to show up on the stat sheet, and that's just the kind of tenacity of play down low and and kind of yeah. almost chaotic at times, but you could just tell BYU was trying. Just, they wanted it so badly. And, and that's like, it's a cliche in sports that like the team that tries more wins, but yeah. But when you look at the two teams, BYU had a lot more to play for here. They 100%. had 20,000 screaming fans packed into an 18,000 capacity stadium. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the like the biggest by a factor of four in the WCC. And everyone was was building up and stepping up to it. I think no one more than Zach Selyus. And beneath the basket, bobbling the ball, is Woolridge. He's tied up. BYU got a hand on it. Selyus gets oh, it. took it from him. He stole it away. And outlets to Kobe Lee. Down four to Jake. Transition triple. Hey, Jake. Money. That's one of Jake's many threes, but it was started by just Zach. Just... What's the word for it? Just just grabbing ripping things. it, yeah, ripping exactly. it out of people's hands. And and he had one earlier where he he kind of got the ball down low, and he was you know bumping and just kind of bumping against him, bumping against him. He felt like he was probably going to pass out, and that's not where Zach lives. Really, is right. you know backing a guy up and putting it down. But he kept just staying right there. The help went away because that's not what Zach does. So it was just him versus a guy. Step back, fade away, and got a simple two. And when those are falling for you, it was just that kind of night. Like you said, I like the word tenacity just because there were so many plays that elevated BYU's game to another level. Like I want to say it was TJ. There was He blocked a pass. That was just so he was like, get this out of my face. Like he just hit it right out of bounds. Mm -hmm. And it was he was just it was I couldn't figure out if it was just they they were just always in the right place at the right time. It felt like and everything was going their way. And I just hadn't seen that level of like I hate the word grit because it makes me think of (laughs) Riley Nelson. But I mean, bless Riley. But it's just that's the only word that everybody (laughs) used to like to describe him. But it um, works okay right now. Yeah, so just like getting getting your hands dirty and getting in the middle of it and just making sure that you were making all of those key plays that ended up kind of adding up to this incredible win. And TJ can get fiery. And he had a play where uh, it was, you know, on the line of what's okay in college <laughs> basketball where he like bumps 
hardly into sure. a fella's back, and it wasn't called as a foul. And then there was one later on on the other side of the court that was – Again, when you have 20,000 screaming fans <laughs> that have one opinion, right. it can sway things. And so there was a there was a play that kind of was a foul that <laughs> a lot of people got particularly upset about, including Mark Pope. And you know what? I was thinking about it as I was as I was watching and thinking that's a foul-ish. Like <laughs> Gonzaga's gotten a couple of those too. It's fine. But but I think there's something to be said for how Mark Pope reacted. And again, just to galvanize your yeah. team mm-hmm. with all of the fans that are in there as well. When you feel like the world is against you, even if it's not, yeah, it can help you step up a little bit and play out of your mind. And I've never refed a Division One college basketball game, but Nor I can I. imagine if you have 20,000 fans booing you. It makes you question your own judgment a little bit. Like, ooh, did I get that wrong? And I I don't know if this is the same foul you were talking about, but there was a foul that immediately was followed up by what I would consider a makeup foul. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> for the other team. And I was like, I just I there has to be you have you have to take into account how big an impact fans in the Marriott Center have on everything going on in the court. Not just the players, but I think um, yeah, refs and coaches and like it just it makes such a huge difference when you are 20,000 strong and and passionately 20,000 strong getting like letting people know how you feel about that call and letting people know how you feel about that three point shot like it all matters so much. This is the thing as a coach, it's a humbling blessing because you get to to see them in their darkest moments when they're full of the most doubts and the most distress and they don't think they can do it and 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 they're just they're barely hanging on to come fight another day and 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 they and they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel and they've faced frustration for years and then this group of young men that have just fought through it and come back and come back and kept coming back and then you get to see them experience this earn this night and it's just is it just is the it's the best part of sports Fans were a huge part of the game last Saturday, and so when we come back, we'll be speaking with the president and vice president of The Rock, the Roar of Cougars student section that's coming up on the Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. My name is Cole Wessinger, and sitting over there is Sydney Carlson, still just high on life from the Gonzaga game. I am. I am living, living on cloud nine. It's you know the best. who else was? 20,000 of your best friends who were also sitting in there. They were my you. best friends at that game. You know, you're supposed to stay. Um, there's a couple areas like press row. And if you're in any of the like official audio or video booths, which I happen to be in. I don't know if you call it a booth, a table. It's an impartial zone. It's an I impartial think. zone. Theoretically. It's like it's a good thing I'm not like TV visible because I was fist pumping. I was getting so into that game. And uh, don't tell Tom Homo. I promise not. (laughs) The Gonzaga game was unique from a fan's perspective. And putting together all of those fans in one place and and organizing is quite the effort. And so earlier this week, I brought in the president and vice president of the rock student section, Jason and Bradley. And we talked about what the fans were doing during that game. So, fellas, 
Did you do anything fun over the weekend? Go bowling? Maybe catch a game or something? <laughs> Definitely no time for bowling. We were out <laughs> partying with uh, with the rest of the Rock during the Gonzaga game. It was a good time. Yep. So what was what was your favorite part of BYU versus Gonzaga? Winning. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the I mean the court, let's be honest. That, that's 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 got to be the favorite part. But I mean, an honorable mention would be uh, there was there was one point when. Uh, when during the game in the second half, Tilly was shooting a free throw and he missed it, and and Yoli walks over to the student section, points to us. Alex Barcel starts clapping towards us, and I mean that that was pretty validating for us. So <laughs> it was a, it was a good time. Yeah, yeah, no, it was uh, it was awesome. I, I have to agree with Jason. Winning is obviously going to be the first first thing that I point out, um, but I think also is just how packed the rock was the whole um, dang marriott the, oh the, the rafters. yes up to the rafters we even had a little section that they bled into we had people standing in standing room only we even had a standby line that went all the way back to the tunnel from the northwest corner yep i don't think that the rock has ever had that big of a showing I don't think um so. the energy that they brought was incredible and it was so fun to be a part of so congrats to you guys. I mean, what part of all that organization do the president and vice president of The Rock do? Because there were tents lined up from the night of Santa Clara all the way to Gonzaga. What did you guys do to make that happen, to make that environment happen for the guys? Well, you know, uh, like camping, having the tents and everything, that's always kind of been a, a tradition of BYU. So, I mean, we can't really take credit for that at all. But um, basically, Bradley and I just – just kind of, and, and the rest of our board, want to give them credit too. Um, you know, we dedicate ourselves to maximizing the, spirit, the experience for the students and doing our best to ensure that they have um, the best experience possible. And so we were out there um, throughout the week giving out food, giving out snacks, just trying to maintain some sort of order in the line because um, I don't know if you've seen any pictures or heard about it or anything, but the I line... I saw The Rock's social media post. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. We did, we did post about it on our, on our social media, but the line started at the Marriott Center, the northwest corner. It went all the way um, across the bridge, under the tunnel. It, it went onto the, the bridges that go over that street on the north end of campus, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then it ended up going down the spiral towards the, the administration building and then got all the way to the JKB and almost reached the Tanner building. It was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. And so, I mean, we tried our best to, to maintain some sort of order in that line. <laughs> yeah, but when you have a line that big, it's really hard. So we apologize if you were part of that, uh, that back end there. <laughs> but no, we tried. We tried our very best. Did you guys have your own designated tents? I mean, you were, you were in charge-ish trying to, but did you have your spots in line? Like, were you, were you guys first? Is that one of the perks of being the, the rock? Well, People? no, we didn't, have a, we didn't technically have a spot in line because we were pretty much patrolling the line the whole gotcha. time, going up and down the line, making sure that everybody's taken care of. So Does that mean you got to sleep in, like, a warm bed at night instead of... Well, I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but um, but uh, we were there in the wee hours of the morning taking care of people. Oh, we were there early in the morning back at it. Um, yeah, we just figured that we probably needed the sleep in order to to do our jobs well. So yeah, <laughs> If fair. I'm going to be honest, I'm a person that needs my eight hours of sleep. Or at least six, and so if I wasn't getting that, <laughs> would have been a bad experience for Doing everybody more waiting harm in than line. Good, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So outside the line, before the game, that's what's going on. You get inside the game. It's the loudest. It's the most packed that's ever been. Um, wh- tell me 
what your favorite like rock cheer? Because the last time we, we've actually spoken before here mm-hmm. on Cougar Tailgate, we talked a little yeah. bit of football. So now let's go to basketball. What's your favorite part of the fan experience in a basketball game? Yeah, so I'm going to speak specifically about this this last game. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not like a tradition that we have, but Sean Fornham, he was the the ESPN commentator, mm-hmm. and this was two hours before tip off. Which usually two hours before tip off, that's when the doors are getting opened up, right? <laughs> and um, he grabs the mic and he's over the PA system, and the cameras are on him, and he goes, "All right, Rock, I'm going to do something special. This is going to air on live TV." Um, I want you guys to go crazy. And then when he was talking, he goes, this is the epicenter of college basketball tonight. And The Rock just went crazy. I was sitting out. Oh, my goodness. I about lost my mind when he said that because I was just like, this is such – obviously, you know, it's a huge game going into it. But that just put even more weight on it. And that – was the moment I knew we were going to win that game because The Rock <laughs> showed out and the energy was unreal. Two so, hours before the game. That's right. Bradley knew. I knew. Yeah. That's All right. right. What about you, Jason? Well, you know, just the entire time, the energy was was just unmatched and and pretty much just everything went right in that game. Um, and at the beginning of the game, I, I couldn't even hear the whistles from the refs, and I think they mentioned that on, on the broadcast as well. Mm-hmm. I, had a sister, I have a sister that uh, just got back from a mission. She's at home in Texas, and and she was watching the game, and she was just texting me all these different things that, that the commentators were saying about about the the Marriott Center and the environment there. And yeah, the, the energy was there, the team was there, you know, playing their playing their best, playing tough, and um, you know, even down to the half court shooter was <laughs> was incredible because <laughs> the half court shooter, the Qualtrics half court shooter, made that shot for eight thousand dollars. Everything that just got everybody, coming together. That got everybody Ran over and jumped up to Jason. <laughs> yeah, he came and did the Lambo leap into <laughs> into the student section. And it was just everything went right in that game yeah. with the student section, the team. It just it turned out to be an incredible, incredible event. Right down to the win on the court. And so right after that final buzzer <laughs> yes. goes, yes. the whole rock just starts flooding out onto oh, the court. Yeah. What, what what is that? Compare it to something for me. What's it like just to be surrounded and jostled and <sighs> around a bunch of other people that are loving the same thing that you're loving? I don't know. I, I might compare it to like the breaking of a dam. Imagine if like Hoover <laughs> Dam just just broke yes. down the middle because I don't know if you saw at the end of the game, but but students were making their way down the stairs and just filling up the the entire bottom part of the lower bowl because they they knew we were about to storm the court. So everybody just started coming down, and I mean, I was there on the front row, and I might lose my job for this, but I had my foot up on the on the rail. Oh, and as yeah. soon as oh, soon as that yeah. timer went or the 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 time ran out. I, I leaped onto the court. I, I jumped the rail, and yeah, hopefully I don't get in trouble for that. But, but and then everybody followed suit. <laughs> Worth it if we do, though. <laughs> um, bro, I don't even know what you can compare that to. Um, like that is a perfect analogy. But like the the energy and like the realization of we just beat Gonzaga. Number two ranked. Number two ranked Pre- Gonzaga. We- Presumed number one seed in the mm-hmm. tournament. Yes. Top in the WCC the whole time we've been in the WCC. Yep. Exactly. Gonzaga. Exactly. And I had that realization while I was on the court. So I, I booked it straight for the players because I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to the mosh. I'm going straight for the players. <laughs> and, you know, celebrating with them. And then obviously there's tons of people around. And then I find the bench and I just laid down on the bench. <laughs> Put my head back. I was just smiling because I was just like, "We did it! We freaking beat Gonzaga!" So it was it was pretty it was pretty special. 
and then the party just kept rolling. So you're on the court for what seemed like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Mark Pogel <laughs> gets up. <laughs> Everyone gets their speeches. You got to remember, like, before this all started, it was senior night for the seniors also. Yeah. That's going right for you. And so a couple seniors give speeches. What are you always going to remember from, like, some of the words that were said just after the game and, and then for the rest of that evening? <laughs> Let's all grow some stashes. I'll tell you, Zach Solius was sitting in that seat you're in right now, Bradley, and I talked to him earlier this season. I love it. It, He's a fantastic interview, fantastic. (laughs) Zach's my guy. I love Zach. Um, Yeah, no, you you can't tell, but uh, and obviously people listening, you can't see, but even if you did see me, you wouldn't be able to see anything. Uh, I'm trying to grow my stash out for at least the WCC tournament, but maybe my March Madness, it'll fill in. All right. We'll see. (laughs) And, you know, I I would also have to give a shout out to all the past presidents and vice presidents of The Rock, because there was one moment when um, when Bradley and I were down on the court with, with some of the other, you know, past presidents of the rock that were there. And, and, you know, it's, it'd be unfair f- for us to take credit for, for Absolutely. a game like this. Cause you know, it's the rock is, is an establishment that's been growing for years. And, and so all the past presidents, um, I think we had probably three or four, maybe even five of them there. Yeah. And it was, it, it was great to be able to share that moment with them. Yeah, it was pretty special being able to connect with previous presidents and be like, man, all your guys' hard work, our hard work, it finally paid off. Like, this was it was it was a special moment for sure on a national stage, like yes. oh, yeah. ESPN being there, and yep. then and then your job didn't end because I saw anyone that's following the Rock on social media, which you should do. <laughs> Give us a follow at BYU Rock, please. There it is, Brad, because Bradley's in charge <laughs> of it. Put in the plug. Yeah. So does that mean you were at Cubby's after the game yes, when it Mark does. shows? So yes, tell it does. us about that. Yeah, so the night before, um, so Friday night, we had a little rally with uh, Coach Pope and the players, just kind of get everybody hyped, but also get them out of the cold, Let because, you know, they'd been in the freezing cold Gosh, all day. Gosh, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and at at the event, Coach Pope goes, uh, some, some kid asked a question, and it was something along the lines <laughs> of, like, what are we doing to celebrate after we win? And, yeah, he said, what are you going to do to celebrate? Exactly. And Coach Pope goes, uh, well, I believe that Cubbies is open until 1 a.m., <laughs> so uh, if we win, Cubbies on me. <laughs> and... So we held him to that. So That's we actually great. tweeted at him and said, hey, Coach Pope, you know, jokingly, are we going to Cubbies. And sure enough, the man showed out and was a man of his word. And he paid for, I think there were over 200 kids that got Cubbies on Coach Pope. And that was, it was special because, and I just want to say this because he, he really didn't need to do that, right? Like it could have just been, and I think people wouldn't have been mad with him, like, they understand. Um, but he took the time to show the students that like he does care about us. He constantly talks about the rock and the impact that we make. And that was him saying thank you. Yeah, he really I mean, Coach Pope really is just like a remarkable individual and and it's it's been such a blessing for Bradley and I to be able to work with him this year. Um just kind of the excitement he has brought to the Rock by you know really just just acknowledging the Rock's presence and and every game the first thing he does is he'll come over to the Rock and he'll he'll clap at us and and just kind of give us that um, that acknowledgement and it honestly means a ton because um, I mean obviously Bradley and I put in a lot of work and the rest of the the Rock board as well and and the students I mean they're out there early before the game and and they're bringing the excitement so just he he really is just an incredible individual that 
um, that I think has brought a lot to this program and it's brought a lot of excitement to to the Marriott Center as well and yeah. and yeah I just I was there at Cubby's as well um, after the game and and Coach Pope, I mean, he went around to different tables just making sure people had their food. He was he was taking care of us. That man is incredible. And actually, at the because we had a pep rally Friday night before the night before the game, and we filled up the rock with with students. and yeah. And Coach Pope came out. And that's what Bradley was mentioning uh, earlier. But when he said that, Bradley and I looked at each. When he said that he was <laughs> Cubbies was on him, Bradley and I looked at each other. We're just like, all right, here we go. We're holding you to it. <laughs> and and no, he. I, I have no doubt in my mind that whether or not he said that, he would have done something for The Rock. For sure. For sure. The Marriott Center this season was sent out with quite quite an event. But now there's an away <laughs> game against Pepperdine, and then the WCC tournament starts, and then the NCAA. I mean, I think with a victory over Gonzaga, we can say pretty certainly that BYU will be mm-hmm. playing in the NCAA tournament. Yep. How does the student section... Uh, logistically start preparing now to bring the rock to Las Vegas and to whatever regional uh, place that we end up in. Well, you know, the, the excitement has kind of already, already started for the WCC tournament in Vegas. Um, It was kind of funny. We, prior to the Gonzaga game, we had sold some tickets to uh, the WCC tournament. Monday came the first day that tickets were available after, after the Gonzaga game. And we, we sold out the allotment that we had. Um, and so, so like when you say allotment. like one thirty in the afternoon, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. When you yep. say allotment, does each team then in like the WCC kind of get their own chunk? Or So f- from my understanding, what the way it works is that WCC offers, you know, reduced price tickets for the students to each, oh, cool. to each school. They'll, they'll offer them a certain allotment, and I don't know exactly what that allotment is to start off with. But um, they give us an allotment of tickets, and if we sell – all of those tickets, then there's a chance that they'll give us more tickets. And so we're kind of in that process right now. There's of, a chance. There's, there's a chance. There's a, there's a good chance. Okay, I, yeah. I'm really confident that, that we'll be able to get some more um, and, and be able to sell those to students, get more people down there. I know that there is a maximum number of tickets that they will give us because <laughs> they, they, they have that same maximum number for every every school that they offer to. And um, But, yeah, we're in that process right now of, of trying, to get, trying to get more tickets because we want, we want as many of the rock there as possible. And then as the NCAA, have you guys started talking about that? Is that going to work a similar <laughs> way where they allot a certain – even though we, oh, we, don't, that's, we don't know where we're going to be yet. Right. Do we have to wait till Selection Sunday to even start? Yeah, so that's, that's, a, that's the toughest part, right, is when we don't, we don't even know where we're playing. The closest that we would be in the first round would be either Sacramento, Los Angeles. Actually, I don't even know if Sacramento, but kind There's of on the Spokane, West Coast. Spokane, I think. Spokane, yeah. yep, mm-hmm. yep. Um, but – we're we're not allotted any tickets for that, so we're not going to tell the Rock, you know, hey, like, let's go out to Spokane. I mean, if anybody wants to, I'd be that'd be fine. I, I'm most definitely going to be going oh, if yeah. it's anywhere <laughs> and if it's anywhere close to here. But um, we are, we, you know, we're in talks of of trying to figure out details for a watch party. Um, you know, we we really want to make sure that it's something big. We've done watch parties for for football. Um, and you know, we always choose like one game per year. That's going to be a little bit of a bigger watch party. Um, but for March madness, while we're watching our boys make a run, we're, we're going to make sure that it's, uh, it's a good watch party. We don't, we don't have official details yet, but we're, we're working on some, some sweet stuff that. I'll bet if you follow the rock on social media, you'll find (laughs) out what (laughs) that's right. Throw in the plug. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, we're, we're excited to just do everything we can for the students and, and make sure that even if we're not there, our presence is felt here in Provo and yep. that we come together and, and making an exciting event. And yeah. 
Um, even for the the Pepperdine game, we're working on a uh, a plan for a watch party, and I'm sure there'll be watch parties going on for the WCC tournament. Luckily, that's a little bit closer, so hopefully most <laughs> of the rock will be out there. But yep. um, but yeah, for March Madness, absolutely. That's that's just going to be a really special time, and we're going to try and make the most of it for sure. Well, thank you, fellows, for coming in today. Thank you for all that you've done for the Rock over the oh, past year, football, basketball, everything combined. And yeah, go Cougs! Yeah, go thanks Cougs. for having us. Go thank Cougs! Unsurprisingly, after that game, uh, fans are more than a little excited to make the trip down to Las Vegas to yeah. cheer on another potential, potential BYU versus Gonzaga game in the WCC tournament. Yeah, and we are. I mean, there's a couple teams that are close. To Vegas, I think we have an advantage in that. We're six hours, and your LA teams are like four. But Spokane is the probably the furthest away, and they show be. up in droves. They bring whole buses of their student section. So if the Rock can show up and and uh, compete, <laughs> if you compete for noise, I guess. Yep, yep. Um, that would be huge. And the WCC tournament is doing something a little weirder this time around. And so that's what we want to talk about when we come back from break is just the new organization of the WCC tournament so you know what to expect and so that you don't get confused when it's been playing for three games and BYU still hasn't taken the court. That's coming yeah. up next <laughs> on the Cougar Tailgate. Cougar Tailgate, my name is Cole Wissinger, and right over there is Sydney Carlson. We are looking past now Gonzaga a little bit to the next time we hopefully play Gonzaga, and that is in the WCC tournament, a tournament that Gonzaga has, to put it mildly, dominated over our time in the WCC. Yes, not just us, but everyone. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, and Gonzaga has reliably been the WCC representative into the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. But this year, the WCC tournament is doing something slightly different. They have changed the format and the schedule to it. It is not just, you know, when you think of a bracket or a tournament in general, most people think of the NCAA tournament. It's the famous one. There's 64, 68 kind of teams that meet in the middle for a championship. That is not how the WCC do it, is doing it this oh. year. They, it, they made it confusing for yeah, us. Yeah, rather than like— We want to explain. yeah. It's when you're looking at this bracket, it's normally you see like it's really blocky. This is like a chain. <laughs> There's like two lines and they both lead to Gonzaga and BYU, the number one and two seed. And everybody else has to play a bunch of games to get to that point. And we we are the privileged two that only have to play potentially two games. Sydney, we're now in the post-football time on the sports calendar. So have you ever just sat down on a Sunday turned on the TV looking for something to watch and stumbled onto a bowling tournament? I absolutely have not, but I would love to hear your experience. I absolutely have. <laughs> I am absolutely mediocre at bowling. I average about 110. Like I can I get above 100 reliably, but always like I'm never above 200, right? It's mm -hmm. I'm in that sweet spot of decent but not terrible but not good. Anyway, so I like watching bowling. They're good at curving the ball and hitting the thing. Anyway, bowling tournaments work like this. Really? If you ever watch a bowling tournament, two pe the two, I guess, worst, quote-unquote, seeds start at the bottom, and in order to actually win the tournament as that seed, you go step by step by step by step, and the highest-ranked player really only has to win the one game to win, 
And that's how the WCC is doing this year. It's just two-sided, and so you have to win two games technically to win. But yeah, the one and the two seeds get a triple bye, and the bottom seeds just have to play their way through everyone to get there. That is nuts. Um, Real quick side tangent, you know who is a great bowler? Who? Dalton Nixon. Oh, really? He's a great bowler. We had an event with the whole basketball team before the season started, and he ended up on a lane uh, some of our corporate partners had to take off early. He ended up on a lane by himself. Yeah. And he was crushing it. Um, I so. mean, we're now in baseball <laughs> season. Mookie Betts is famously a great bowler. He was, in addition to being on the baseball team as a kid in high school, he was also on the high school bowling team. And he crushed it. High schools it. have bowling teams? They do in Nashville, Tennessee. All apparently. right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so this tournament, yes. it starts with the the 8 plays the 9 and the 7 plays the 10. Those are normal seedings that you would expect in any kind of a tournament. Uh, they play on the first game. Right. And then if you win, if you win that first game, you play the 5 or the 6 seed. And whoever wins that plays the 3 or the 4 seed. And whoever wins that moves on to the two or the one seed, which right now is where BYU is sitting. It's, it makes buys and, and where you seed in the regular season right. even Huge. more important. And I can't think of a better a better year for us to have done so well in the regular season. It seems like the last few years, it's been kind of touch and go. Like We'll jump a St. Mary's or a San Francisco and kind of hang out in that two to four range. Yeah. Um, but knowing that this, the bracket is set up this way, to get a triple buy, like the best you could have done in years past is like, you know, a straight shot to the quarters. Mm-hmm. And so you're immediately to the semifinals, which is incredible. Like being able to rest up and uh, prepare for that one game in particular. And obviously you won't know exactly who you're playing until late Saturday night, but then you still have Sunday and Monday to prepare. As the as the standings sit right now, St. Mary's who sits at the three, which is where BYU has kind of historically sat, but we've we've jumped them. Uh, St. Mary's would have to beat San Francisco or the uh, the seven or the ten, which right now is Santa Clara or Portland. And so, Santa, so if the season was over, which it, it's not quite, but Santa Clara would play Portland, then that winner would play San Francisco, then that winner would play St. Mary's, and that winner is who plays right. BYU. Which again, advantage BYU for sitting around in Vegas, just <laughs> practicing before they have to risk losing anything. One hundred percent. You gonna take take your talents on the road and go to Vegas, Cole? I would love to, man. <laughs> Let's take this podcast on the road. I love Las Vegas. I lived there for a couple years. I enjoy the fact that it is warmer than Provo is right now. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy everything about the city. It's fine. I like going there for basketball tournaments. Sure. Yeah, it's great. And there'll be a couple basketball tournaments there. Like, doesn't the Pac-12 do their party down in Vegas as oh, well? Oh, the Pac-12, the mm-hmm. Mountain West. Yeah. Um, my dad and I, in a manic fit of insanity one year, like, I think it was, like, noon, and we were playing in Vegas that night at 7. And I was like, so, want to go to the game? And he was like, let's go. <laughs> we yes. packed up the car, and we drove down. We found tickets, and we watched the team Lose? Question mark. I think we lost, yeah. but the funny thing is, I don't remember because we were having so much fun. The fun so, part was driving for eight yeah. hours, six hours, uh, five and a half. If you're if you've got a good pace, uh, I don't. <laughs> I was 
I'm a slow driver. Also, I hate driving. Vegas is right. Okay, so actually, the reason I don't really like Vegas from living in Provo is it's right on that cusp where it seems like it's close enough that I should drive, but anything past three to four ish hour, like that St. George area, is right where I just I don't want to be driving anymore. Oh my goodness! And you so, East Coast, you East Coaster. Look, my grandma so close. lived an hour away from me, and that was so far. Like, if we were going to make the trip to Grandma's house, we were going to spend the weekend and like get our money's worth out of it. And now I drive up to Salt Lake, which is an hour in rush hour traffic, like three times a week. I don't like it. I do it, but I don't like it. As someone who spent a lot of her formative years driving to California to go to Disneyland. I don't understand those people. It is, that is me 100%. And I'll fly with like you to Disneyland. A 10-hour drive is nothing, Cole. It's nah. nothing. Piece of cake. Okay, so you can start driving Great. tomorrow. Perfect. I'll catch a plane like two <laughs> days from now and I'll meet you there. Oh my and we'll- goodness. Why do you drive so slow? I I drove out here from Pennsylvania. I drove three days How did you to survive? get to Provo because I think I was younger and had a brighter gleam in my eye and just had more hope for the You're world. You're old and weathered now. Yeah. Can't, can't do driving more than a couple hours nowadays. BYU is sitting pretty in the second slot in the WCC, right? That's a great place to be in that tournament. But they're also moving up. You know, you beat Gonzaga and you tend to do that in other rankings as well. The AP poll... 17 now, barely ranked. We snuck in that last week, and and it felt like, you know, they'll probably lose to Gonzaga. We'll just drop them out the very next week. Nope. Nope. Earned it. We earned it. We are in there now. We're in there for keeps, folks. Ken Palm has a set of 15. ESPN's BPI, 18. Wow. Those are are creeping into that top 16-ish range, which Mm -hmm. means you should theoretically be in the sweet 16. Somewhere we haven't been since Jimmer. Oh, it would be great. And then and BYU's doing it behind some stats of their own. Yeah. We uh, talked to Brian Santiago, our associate athletic director, on Monday, and he was saying he went with the team uh, on an international trip this summer and was watching the guys play and said, like, this is a special team. Like, if everybody's healthy and everybody's on the floor, and obviously we didn't have that the whole year, like – he he predicted early on that this could be a really good team, and I don't know if anybody else necessarily, like on a national media scale, was saying that. But uh, now that we do have Yoli and Gavin and all those guys on the floor, like it's kind of coming together. And I I will be the first one to say that I am surprised at how successful this team has been. I am like delightfully delightfully surprised. Yep. I'm so excited about it. But what? What a debut year for Mark Pope and what a way to go out for Yoli and TJ and all of those guys that have really put in the work here and been a huge part of this program. We we sometimes forget now in the euphoria of it all that Yoli missed the first nine games nine not because games. of injury. He missed them. We were without it. We had to figure it out. But he did that because he was considering going to the NBA. Right. And and just how amazing it has been for him to come back to this. Mm-hmm. And you just get the feeling like he had to have known something, right? BYU has been playing a little bit under their expectation for for his whole career up until this point. Right. It's been, you know, we've seen guys leave to the NBA. Eric Mika and, and Nick Emery kind of have different experiences with not getting all the way to their senior seasons with BYU. If Yoli was going to come back... He knew something that we didn't, and I think he 
he got the feel of this. That the guys inside that locker room saw something mm-hmm. of this coming with Mark Pope, with the community, and with everyone working together. It's a special team with a special connection. Like you can tell that those guys deeply care about one another and want to see this team succeed. And it was really cool to see uh, Yoli's reaction to the game on Saturday. They handed the mic to him and he got kind of teary and he got emotional and basically just said, like, this is why I came back. Like, And I hope, I really hope for him that it translates to more eyeballs on him as a player and that it can, you know, kind of boost him up in that NBA discussion because I know that that's what he wants and it's what he's been working for. I mean, you know, he thought about leaving the last two years and came back. And so I hope that that choice, because it's obviously paid off for us and I would love to see it. And he's certainly had fun, but I'd like to see him make some money off of it. Oh, 100%. 100%. We just want, yeah, we just want you to get that that coin, Yoli Childs. That's right. We're here. You've given so much to us. (laughs) Like we, and obviously like, it's all him, like all of that talent and, yep. <laughs> and all of the hard work is all him. But uh, yeah, no, that was a really special moment to see Yuli after that game. Just it meant so much. I'm going to coach speak you for a second. Great. We're going to take this one game at a time. We've been looking <laughs> ahead to the WCC tournament and behind to Gonzaga, but there is Pepperdine tonight. And yep. so when we come back here on the Cougar Tailgate, Sidney Carlson will be speaking with Al Epstein, the longtime play-by-play voice of the Pepperdine Waves. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Sydney Carlson, and we are joined by a longtime veteran of Pepperdine Radio, Al Epstein, 35 years calling Pepperdine Games, and a Hall of Fame inductee. Al, welcome to the program. Sydney, thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, and when you say 35 years, I just kind of shake my head. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it started a long time ago. But I tell people I started when I was 11, so I'm really not that old. So, But uh, I wish that were the case. But, uh, you know, as long as they'll have me and uh, and as long as I stay healthy, uh, it's been a great relationship. And they've been very loyal over the years. So it's been a great ride. Yeah, what an incredible career. What What <laughs> is it about calling games and maybe basketball in specific that you really love? Well, you know, uh, every time I show up for a game, uh, it's always like the first time. Uh, I always have the same excitement, uh, the same energy, uh, love the competition, the bright lights, uh, the bands, the cheerleaders, the crowd. So uh, it's really just all new to me. And as long as I still have that same feeling, every time I show up for a game, uh, I'm pretty fortunate. So uh, it's something that I enjoy doing. Uh, It's always a challenge. You never know what you're going to get. Every game is different and exciting. And when you have that approach, uh, I think you can have uh, a long career in something that you really enjoy. And and I always kid that it really kind of beats working, but that's pretty much the case. And and plus, I get to travel and enjoy it and enjoy the coaches and the players and things like that. So uh, it's been a great ride and and fortunate that that I still enjoy it. So every game really is is like a new uh, adventure to me. I love that outlook. Um, We kind of like to look at every game from a fan perspective. So I like that you kind of are segueing us right into everything we like to talk about. (laughs) What is it about Pepperdine that you think is unique? Something maybe, are there any traditions or fan experiences that make Pepperdine's venues particularly unique? 
Well, I, you know, I, th- I think it is unique, obviously, just because of the location. Uh, you know, it's a small private school with about 7,500 students. Uh, you know, it overlooks the Pacific Ocean, which is, it is a one-of-a-kind location. And they do have a storied uh, athletic career, uh, athletic program, uh, that also, you know, features their, their men's basketball program that has been good, uh, with the exception probably over the last oh, several years, just because of one thing or another. But, you know, back in the, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, even early 2000s, up until then, uh, they had, uh, you know, great success. And they've had so many fantastic coaches over the years. Uh, you know, you think of Jim Herrick and then, uh, Jan Van Bredikoff and Paul Westfall and Tom Athbury and, uh, you know, obviously Lorenzo Romar second time around. And uh, so they've, they've had great tradition as far as uh, athletics is concerned. They have a national championship in baseball, one in, uh, in golf, five national titles in, in men's volleyball. So they've had great success, uh, but just the location alone and the people themselves uh, are just great to be around and, uh, and very enjoyable every time I, I show up and, and people are so friendly over there. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not even about the athletics. It's really about the people that make it such a, a great experience every time I go out there. I love that. I have been to Pepperdine. I used to live in that area. And I every time I go, it seems like I'm a little surprised that anyone gets anything done there because it is so beautiful. And you're just <laughs> right on the beach. And like, how can you focus on basketball or school when there's just people constantly doing yoga and surfing on the beach? <laughs> it's so beautiful. And eating health food and then dealing with the traffic and earthquakes. And yeah. Everything else that goes on. <laughs> it's a trade-off. <laughs> and today it's a great day, you know, for the game. And uh, the weather's going to be terrific. So you're right. You'd almost figure that everybody would be out at the out at the beach and enjoying and kind of laid back. But, uh, no, I, you know, certainly uh, academics are, are very important uh, at Pepperdine, uh, so, like everywhere else. So, yeah, there, there's a lot to do here. And there's a lot of things that can get your uh, get away from your focus. But, uh, but but they do commit to sports, and when they bring in players, yeah, that's in all sports, whether it's men's basketball or anything else, uh, they're pretty much committed. Are there any players that stick out in your mind over your career that you maybe had a special connection to personally or that you just really loved watching play? Well, there's been a, a lot of them. Uh, even before I started doing games, when I was uh, actually a student in um, in junior college and I was broadcasting for Santa Monica College way back when, um, you know, the bird, William the Bird Averett, who led the nation in scoring back in the early 1970s, and they didn't have a three-point shot. He averaged 32 points a game. He was a, a slick guard out of Kentucky. Then you move on to Dennis Johnson, who was a Hall of Fame guard, uh, played with the Boston Celtics. And then probably more recently, you know, Doug Christie who was in the NBA for 12 years. Um, and then even uh, today, Kobe Ross is, uh, is an interesting player to watch. You know, Alex Acker, Gerald Brown, just to name a few. But they come to mind. But, uh, you know, again, Kobe Ross, probably the most current one that might be the most interesting and uh, most successful player they've had in a long time. Do you have a specific, a specific game uh, that you remember calling that is a great memory? Well, <laughs> we, I'm now working on 1,067 consecutive <laughs> broadcasts, so I'm probably as long as good as my last game of Day of the Truth. But uh, they kind of go into each other uh, over the years. But, uh, you know, I think the NCAA tournament games kind of stand out when Pepperdine, back in the early 2000s, played Indiana and Bobby Knight. It was his last game at Indiana in 2001 
and uh, they played uh, Indiana back in, I think it was Buffalo, New York, and then uh, the following year under Paul Westfall, uh, the, the Waves played Wake Forest in an NCAA tournament game. So those bills kind of come to mind over the years. Uh, they actually played Michigan when they had uh, – it wasn't the Fab Five back then. It was the Fab Four. Chris Webber had left early to the uh, to the uh, the pros. And then you had uh, Jalen Rose and Jawan Howard and just a number of great players at Michigan. So those games kind of stand out. That game was in Milwaukee. Um, I think Tom Asbury was the head coach back then. Champion Bredikoff coached the team back in 2001. But uh, to pinpoint any really one game, and somebody asked me the other day about how many close games, buzzer beaters at the last second, and there haven't been that many, to tell you the truth, over the years. Um, games usually decided uh, by several points or more. So to have a buzzer beater doesn't happen very often, but the Waves every now and then get one. But the NCAA tournament games, I think, come to mind. When you look at Pepperdine in relationship to the WCC, who would you say is kind of their rival or the team that when you look at that on the schedule, it's like, that's the one we've got to get? Well, years ago, it used to be Pepperdine and Gonzaga way back when in the, in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. But in Gonzaga, obviously, has continued their great success. Pepperdine has fallen, I think, a little bit shorter than they would like, but I think they're back on the on the upswing. But currently, right now, I'd have to say Loyola Marymount, uh, just because, because of their proximity, yeah. and they always uh, are always a great rivalry. They draw big crowds, and so that, just because of uh, geographical situation, that's probably the biggest rival at this point in time. Hopefully, they'll get back on track, and then they'll be able to make uh, BYU or, or Gonzaga, you know, their rivals once again. And uh, with Pepperdine being as young as they are, and they only lose one player off this year's team, I think the future is pretty bright uh, to challenge for uh, in the upper division in the conference. Absolutely. And as we look ahead to the matchup tonight, this afternoon, um, what what does Pepperdine get from a win? Obviously, BYU is coming off a huge win against Gonzaga, and I think for us it's momentum. But what does Pepperdine gain from a win tonight? Well, I think if Pepperdine wins this, wins this game uh, today, it, it, it would make their season, to tell you the truth. It would be their, by far their best win uh, of the year. Uh, they've had some good wins. They've got, you know, they come in 15 and 14. It would guarantee them uh, a better than 500 record. So there, there is a lot at stake. Uh, but the, the irony of it is because Pepperdine probably doesn't as draw as they should. And I believe they're on uh, semester or quarter break. So a lot of the fan, uh, the students won't be there. And BYU will probably bring a great crowd. They travel so well. Yeah. The Pepperdine may be the visiting team in this game today, <laughs> so it's, which is a little bit strange. But it seems like that way in every sport. Every time uh, Pepperdine plays BYU, whether it's baseball or or soccer or anything like that. So, uh, but this would be a huge win. And then, of course, with the with the West Coast Conference tournament coming up uh, with a win and with a win, it also could move them up in the standings as well, just depending what. San Francisco and Pacific does over uh, the next uh, couple of days or the last couple of days. So uh, they have a chance to, to finish a little bit higher, but this would be their by far their best win. But it, it's going to be a challenge because BYU was so impressive against Gonzaga. Uh, I, I mean, I thought they just controlled that game from start to finish, and Gonzaga was playing catch-up throughout. And Of course, they had them at home in, in Pro Bowl, which makes a big difference, a, a great atmosphere, 18,000. And I'm, and I'm picking really – BYU to play Gonzaga in the championship in the West Coast Conference tournament will be more of a neutral site. Should that, that should be a great game. But for Pepperdine, yeah, I mean this is this is the season that they can win this game. Absolutely, and I, I mean I, 
I know there's been a push on social media for us to get more fans out to Pepperdine, and it certainly is a draw for us here in Provo to get out of the cold and to those sunny <laughs> Malibu beaches, as we as we mentioned. Um, for fans well, that maybe right today's it's it's a beautiful day here in, in Southern California. Is isn't it always? Isn't it always a beautiful day uh, in Southern much. California? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um, for fans that maybe are traveling. Um, you've been doing this a long time. You've been in the area. Like, what are some things that fans absolutely have to see? Maybe what they have to eat while they're there. Well, I think just uh, you know, you know, you've got Disneyland, you've got Hollywood, uh, you know, you've got so many different areas. There's unlimited restaurants. Even going driving up the coast is is just a, a great experience. And coming to Pepperdine, and there's all kinds of restaurants along, uh, you know, the way on the Pacific Coast Highway. But yeah, if you get her a couple of days early, you can enjoy a lot of things and, and you know, go to the marina, go down to San Diego if you'd like, which is a great area. But um yeah, I mean there's so much to do and that's that's but the the location of Pepperdine is, is so unique and it's you know, it's not in the valley area, it's not in Los Angeles, it's kind of in between which makes um a, a a little bit different and unique, but I think it's coming to Southern California. And again, keep in mind you do have traffic and things like that, and Absolutely. and so you have to kind of deal with that. But uh, but overall, it, it really is an interesting city, and it's exciting. And there's so much to do. So you know, I certainly plan ahead if you're gonna if you're gonna come here, give yourself a day or two to enjoy uh, the lifestyle, and I think you'll have a great time. Well, Al, thank you so much for joining us. We have loved your insight and. Obviously, so much history with the program. We look forward to a tight matchup this afternoon and like, wish you the best of luck. Cindy, thanks again. And, and starting at BYU, I'll tell you, if they continue to, to shoot the ball, shoot threes the way they do, and the first meeting against Pepperdine, uh, BYU made 17 to 28 threes. If they continue <laughs> to shoot anywhere close to that, they're going to have a great run. Uh, you're gonna, uh, BYU uh, will beat a lot of people in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they will become a very, very dangerous team uh, that I, I think could go to the Final Four if, if they get the right break and the right seedings. Uh, it can make a big difference. But thanks for having me on, Sydney. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Today, so. You're to hear first, folks. Al's calling it. Final four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Well, don't call me. Yeah. <laughs> no one heard that. It'll just be the headline. We'll just we'll, we'll slide it into the headline. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Good. That was Al Epstein, the play-by-play voice of the Pepperdine Waves for the past 35 years. Great to have him on and get some insight from him. On what the game coming up is going to look like because BYU does have one more. Before we can put a bow on the regular season, and that will be what we do next week on the program, is kind of take a look back at the whole basketball season as we've seen it. We got one more game to do. And then it's WCC tournament time. And then NCAA tournament time. And then then we have fun. Then it's baseball, I guess. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> that is the natural progression of life. We'll focus on March for now. <laughs> and that does that wraps us up for today on the program. We're counting down to Pepperdine with you as we do every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 o'clock in the morning Pacific if you're over on that California coast or heck, if you're already in Las Vegas getting ready for that WCC tournament. There are Cougar fans all over the place and that's what we love talking about. If you want to hear your fan story on the air, you can send us an email. Our email address is Cougar tailgate at gmail.com it was so wonderful hearing the fan stories of our rock student section the fellows in charge jason and bradley and also getting to know pepperdine a little bit better the opponent today with al epstein this is a production of byu radio that over there is sydney carlson my name's cole wissinger go Cougs.